How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are, here we are, another day for another great study. We are going to continue on our look in the book of Romans. Now, we are up to chapter 7. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to Romans chapter 7. And picking up where we left off, talking about the uh, the point of the law, the purpose of the law, the purpose of the word of God, where we're talking about the description of grace, faith, law, uh, the commandments of Christ, uh, our, uh, who we are in Christ, who we were, who we are now, and how we should look upon other people, how we should look at the world, and how we should treat them. Now, this letter by Paul to the Christians in Rome is, again, just a refresher uh, just going over the doctrines, uh, the teachings, the theologies that Paul has already established. He's already taught them these things. But again, uh, the, the point and purpose of the teacher is repetition. Going over it and over it and over it. And especially when you start falling on troubles and struggles and these kinds of things, it's best to go back and revisit the basics again. And just go over a refresher and... If you're ever feeling bored about the basics, that shows your heart's not right with the Lord. So keep it simple. Go back and look at it again and rejoice in who we are in Christ and what what Christ has saved us from, the condemnation, saved us from the wrath of God. Now, as we see in, in the last verse of chapter 6, uh, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin, that's the penalty of sin, the condemnation of sin, is death. And not just physical death, but a spiritual death, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see the context here. He first he's talking about, um, about the condemnation, about the judgment of the law, the purpose of the law, to, to help us understand, and how... The law reveals sin, and, and sin brings death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So he's talked about all these things, and now he's going to be talking about life. And not just spiritual life, but physical life. So some things that Paul wants to bring up in this chapter. So if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. If it's not related to the topic at hand, please hold that to the end of the study. We want to try to limit our rabbit trailing. And, yeah. All right, so, also, <laughs> I just, just want to th throw it out there because of what happened last time as well. Uh, you can also be, just be praying for uh, the dog that we're looking after here. Uh, that it would stay calm and quiet during the study. If it starts going off, howling, barking again, I'm just going to, to mute and just try to calm him down. I'll be right back. All right, so he's got a lot of problems he's trying to work out. All right, so distractions and hindrances uh, will always happen. Uh, what we need to do is learn how to just work through distractions and hindrances, whether it be of the enemy, whether it be of the world, whether it be of our own flesh. There's always going to be uh, uh, oppositions and hindrances and distractions and troubles and trials and tribulations. There's always going to be things. It's never going to be perfect and, and flawless and peaceful. It, there's always going to be something. There's always going to be something. Um, 
what truly matters is how we react to the situation and how we continue to keep the faith and fight through things, no matter what it is. Whether it be our own flesh, our own distractions, uh, where we can become uh, heavy, depressed, apathetic. Uh, whether it be uh, family, friends, co-workers, your job. Uh, it could be anything. What matters is how we pick ourselves up. The righteous man falls seven times and rises again. It's about the getting up, not the falling down. It's not about the. It's not about when you're down, and and, uh, and down and out uh, in the mud in the muck. It's about the getting back up. Those who want to brush the, the things off, as we want to uh, rejoice our hearts in Christ again. We want to keep ourselves in the oil of gladness. We want to keep ourselves cleansed, but uh, in the fellowship of Christ. This is what truly matters, about the life of Christ and about following him, being his disciple. So, um, so to get back to this in uh, Romans here, we see Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. This eternal life. Now we're going to be talking about this a little bit here. So let's move on to Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Know ye not, brethren... For I speak to them that know the law, like the Jews, for example, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. So as long as we are alive, there's a purpose and point of the law. Now, we talked about this the other day, about the, the, different, uh, the different laws and about the law of sin. We see the law of faith. We see, and we're going to be seeing another uh, mention here about the law of my mind. We're going to be talking about that. Now, the, what is the purpose and point of the law? Well, very simply put, it's to, it's to reveal what is righteous and what is not. Very simply stated, that's the point and purpose of the law, to show what is righteous, what is of God, and what is not. That's the whole point of it. Every time we look at the law, we feel condemned. We, we, we see our sin. We see our weakness. We see our failings. That's the entire purpose. Because when we look at the law, we see our inability. And that's what makes us look at the abilities of Christ. As, as we couldn't save ourselves, we cannot be righteous. We have no righteousness of our own. That's why we need the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. So as long as we are alive, and I'm going to cheat here a little bit, <laughs> we're going to go to the end of chapter 7 just for a moment. Now we see at the end of chapter 7, he says that in my flesh, for I know that in my flesh, that's verse 18, dwelleth no good thing. And verse 25, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Now, sin is in the flesh, and this is why the flesh dies. This is why the flesh is corrupted, weak, uh, get given over to the tendency of illnesses and corruptions and all these things. The flesh is corrupted by sin, therefore the flesh is corrupted, and it's going to oppose you in everything. And this is where the Word of God talks about how my flesh wars with my spirit, and I cannot do the things I would. So... As long as we are alive, that the body without the spirit is dead. So our spirits are in our bodies, the body of flesh. The two are together. 
and, and until there's that separation of spirit, the uh, the flesh is uh, is under the law, and the flesh is going to be fighting us and opposing us and everything. We're we are under the dominion of law and sin and this corruption. We are under the controls of these things until death, until death do us part. Uh, the law hath dominion over men as long as he liveth. There are people out there who are so deluded, who are so deceived, they think, they think that they can actually become sinless. They can become sinless, where they never sin and they walk in sinlessness. They're special. They're really special people. If you can achieve sinlessness, then you can atone for the sins of the world. Then you're equal to Jesus Christ. And that's not true. And as we see in the word of God, right here look at this the law hath dominion over a man and when the when you look at the law you see your inability you see your sin and this is why we have an advocate a mediator an intercessor jesus christ and if any man sin we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous and if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so no we cannot achieve sinlessness and as we'll see by this chapter as we go through this study you're going to see something interesting that the, that the soul, the spirit, is saved. The soul is saved. The spirit is saved. The flesh is not. The flesh is condemned to die. It's appointed to men once to die, and after, the, after this the judgment. And, and in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And this is Apostle Paul speaking. Apostle Paul wasn't sinless. Give that some thought. Apostle Paul wasn't sinless, and he struggled with sin, as we will see. And that the flesh is not saved. The flesh cannot be saved until the resurrection. When the, when the Lord changes us and we are changed in the twinkling of an eye. And our bodies are changed where we have a, a resurrection body like as Christ. And, we are, and our bodies and our spirits are brought together again into a, a, different, uh, a different body, a different life. Now until then our flesh is corrupted by sin and is going to die and rot and turn to worm food. Now, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Because the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Now, how can I be aware of the wages of my sins? How can I be aware of my sins? Well, we'll see that as we go along. Now, Paul brings in an example here. An example here of how we are bound until death. Now, what, what else does that kind of sound like? That language, what does that sound like? Uh, that until death do us part. What does it sound like? Marriage. Okay, so he brings in an explanation here. Verse 2. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. Alright. For uh, But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. Because when the two, the man and the woman, go up, uh, go up before the Lord in front of witnesses, uh, as the scriptures teach, and, and how how marriage is to be performed, and we are uh, bound by vow under oath uh, before God, and you're bound until death do us part. That's the scripture says. But if the but if the husband be dead, she is loose from husband. But if uh, but if the wife dies, the husband's free. If the husband dies, the wife is free. All right. So then, if, while her husband liveth, 
she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. And we see that again in Matthew 5, verse 32, Jesus literally saying the same thing. Uh, that uh, if, uh, that uh, divorce does not mean unmarried. Divorce does not mean unmarried. You cannot be unmarried. That it's till death do us part. So if you're under the, the marriage vows, the marriage oath, you're bound, you're bound to each other, and you go off and you think you can separate from each other, as divorce doesn't mean unmarried, but it just means a separation, or it's meant to be temporary, where you separate for a while to get the issues that you may have resolved, and you come back together again. The people have perverted the meaning of that into thinking that it means unmarried. So people people are divorcing and remarrying and jesus says and as paul says here by the spirit of god that's adultery that's adultery divorce and remarriage is adultery so then if while her husband lives she be married to another man she should be called an adulteress but if her husband be dead she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress though she be married to another man okay so but if we look at this for example in okay how does this exactly apply in context to law uh, the law of God. The wages of sin is death. So to be free from the law, there must be a death. That you're bound to the condemnation of the law. How can I be freed from the condemnation of the law that I'm bound to? There has to be a death. And this is where the sacrifices came in. That there was the, there was the sacrifice of atonement of shedding of blood and death for the penalty of the law. All right. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. That, that, that there's a, a wage, there's a penalty. The wage of sin is death. There's a penalty that must be paid. There's something that must be given, done for this to be dealt with. So we see in Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And we see uh, uh, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. So there has to be a death, a shedding of blood. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, shed his blood and died for this. He paid the full price. <clears throat> so that now we are separated from. There's a, it's not, it's not a, a divorce in any way. No, it's an actual, complete, full separation. Like as if the husband died and the wife is now free. That Now, we are bound to the condemnation of the law. There's a death of shedding of blood, which, which fulfills the cost. Now we are single again. Now, now we are free to be bound to something else. Now, now we are bound to Christ. Now we are bound to grace. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. See, we are bound to Christ. So, this is amazing when you look at this then, how so many people think that they are still bound to the law. Uh, no. How could you be still bound to the law, debtors to do all of the law, if you're freed from the law and you're bound to someone else, bound to something else? No, you, you can't be married to two people. A the, the, the woman cannot be married to two husbands. It doesn't work. That's not how it works. As we see by the word of God, there's only one. 
the two become one body. The two are become one flesh, as scripture says. There's two, not multiple. So therefore, you see the word of God actually does away with polygamy. Some people say, well, the Bible teaches uh, polygamy. No, it doesn't. Well, how come we see multiple people in the Bible marrying uh, multiple people? Well, they did so against the commandments of the Lord. Throughout the scriptures, we see actually uh, uh, polygamy is not permitted, not allowed, not of God. People did that against the will of God. They went against the will of God. The two become one flesh. It was one man, one woman. It was Adam and Eve. So you see, lust comes in and, and uh, you want to bind yourself to multiple. So we see a desire of individuals of lust and wanting to lust after a desire of mysticism and law-keeping and work-keeping that they, that they desire and lust of their own works, their own righteousness, their own abilities to bind that to Christ as well. That's a corruption. That's not a marriage. That's an abomination. Okay, verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Now we're uh, going to look at the process of how this works, of moving from one to the other, of going from the, from, from the uh, being bound to the law to being bound by Christ. This process right here, how exactly does this work? All right. Now, in Galatians, if you really want to do a deep study on this specifically, what I would say is to take Romans chapter 7 and, and use this as a point by point and compare this, uh, bind this with the book of Galatians. Uh, you want to look at Galatians. Now, specifically, you want to look at Galatians 3, but the whole book of Galatians really covers this. As Galatians is the book of law where Paul really hammers down and calls out the issues of law-keeping to the Judaizers, the, the guys that follow after Paul everywhere he went, and he, they would try to bring people back into law-keeping. And then Paul wrote the book of Galatians to the church of Galatia to explain to them how the, these Judaizers were wrong and how they're corrupting grace. They didn't understand grace, and they're trying to bring you back into being bound to that previous one, to marrying the corpse. All right. Now, in Galatians uh, chapter 3, verses 10 to 13. Galatians 3, 10 to 13. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all the things that are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith. Now, do you have your Bibles handy? Do you have your Bibles handy? Please take a look at Galatians chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 12. The law is not of faith. Okay, so what are we saved by? For by grace are ye saved by law. No. No, no, wait, sorry. For by grace are you saved by religious traditions. No, no. For by grace are you saved by water baptism. No, no. For by grace are you saved by faith. The law is not of faith. Galatians 2.16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. And we take a look at Galatians 3.21. Um, 
Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, like following law would give you everlasting life. If there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But it's not. But it's not. <laughs> the law can't save you and you can't save yourself by keeping the law and your salvation is not, is not con uh, conditional upon you trying to maintain and keep the law. All right, so Romans 7, Romans 7, where are we? For when we were in the flesh, so you're, so the picture married to the old life, all right? For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, the law exposed and revealed the sin and the sin nature, all right, so, uh, for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which are by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Now we see how when we're in Christ, we bring forth righteous fruit, the fruit of Christ likeness, obedience of Christ. When you are in the flesh and you're in sin, you're bringing forth sinful fruit, corrupted fruit, fruit, evidence, evidence of your sin. And now that we're saved, we bring forth fruit, evidence of our salvation. That's what it's talking about. So you see the fruit of sin and the fruit of righteousness. Verse 6, but now we are delivered from the law. We are delivered from the law. So now we've gone from this. We're no longer under the law. We're under grace. Romans 6, uh, 14. No longer under law, but under grace. We are delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter, the letter of the law. So Galatians 3, 24 to 25. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Okay, now he's going to go into explaining this one just a little bit more. But how is the law our schoolmaster? And he's going to explain this. All right, so now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Okay, so while under the law, we were under a schoolmaster. But now that we are under Christ, we are delivered from that schoolmaster. We're no longer under a schoolmaster. Now, what does a schoolmaster do? That's an old, kind of an old term uh, uh, that uh, these to be the names, uh, the title of the teacher. The teachers of a classroom in a school. They were called the schoolmasters. Uh, these ones that would teach and instruct, that would educate, that bring you to understanding and enlightenment of these things that you need to know. So the law is a schoolmaster. How? What does it do? It, it enlightens the mind, it enlightens the eyes, it reveals the, uh, in the heart and the mind the understanding of your sin state. Teaches you specifically how you are a sinner. Okay? Verse 7, Romans uh, 7, 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? So if the law, it, it, the law cannot save, the law is a curse, the law brings forth death, the law reveals our sin. Is the law 
sin then is the law bad is there some is the law something that's bad in and of itself because it can't save it all it's only a curse it only brings death it only condemns to hell and it reveals sin and it reveals your inability and it's, and it's everything that is negative is the law then bad is the law sin what shall we say then is the law sin no god forbid nay i had not known sin but by the law for I had not known lust, except the loss had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, the word of God, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, sexual desires, immorality, and all sin. For without the law, sin was dead. Until I knew the law, until I realized and understood the law, sin, I did not have an understanding of sin. Sin was dead to me, and that I had no understanding of it. It's not that I wasn't under the condemnation. It's just I wasn't un under any awareness. I wasn't, I wasn't aware of it. I didn't understand it. I didn't have enlightenment of it. For without the law, sin was dead. Understand knowledge of sin. The law brings knowledge of sin. Knowledge and understanding of sin. So, by, but sin taking occasion by the commandment. All right? And we got spammers already. Okay. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive. Look what he says, verse 9. For I was alive without the law once. When? But you're dead in your sins, right? But you're dead in your sins, right? When were you ever alive without the law? Before. He says, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. What you saying here? I was alive once without the law. Do you know what he's referring to? We talked about this before. And this is where some people believe in what's called infant damnation. That babies, toddlers, children, the mentally handicapped who have not the mental capabilities of the fundamentals of life, uh, they think that when they die, they go to hell. No, because here he is again in Romans 7, verse 9. This is what he's talking about. That at one point when you have not the knowledge of, you have no understanding capabilities, you have no realization, you have no enlightenment of it, you have no grasp. No grasp. I was alive. So there's an innocence where the law is not a condemnation to you because you have no knowledge of this. Until knowledge comes, you're innocent. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, the word of God, uh, uh, the giving the understanding of sin, understanding of righteousness and unrighteousness. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. That's the knowledge of the word, the knowledge of the word of God, understanding of the word of God, of the conviction of the law of God. Now. People automatically throw into this then, okay, but what about those who've never heard? What about individuals in third world countries or in the jungles or wherever else, people who've never heard? What about those who've never heard? Again, we've talked about this, that 
those kinds of people don't exist because the word of God has gotten into all the world. Furthermore, the law of God is written upon the heart and that an individual when they are young and they have not the capabilities and the knowledge and understanding of realizing their own consequences of actions and whatever but when they come to an age of accountability where they realize that such and such things are wrong that they know it's wrong because it's written on the heart people know it's wrong to lie it's wrong to steal it's wrong to murder it's wrong they know this that when the knowledge of of inherent sin comes in that's when you are held accountable for your own actions for your own sin so it's not just people are innocent and are, and, uh, and are seen innocent before God until they hear the word of God. No, 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 no. And we talked about that. That that kind of an assumption is actually wrong. For I was alive without the law once. Now, there's also the application here where you're walking in your own idea of life. You're walking in your own idea of life. When the word of God comes, you realize how you're you're, you're under a deception and a delusion. That the law, of, that the word of God, the commandments of God, bring an understanding. An understanding, a clarity. It brings a clarity to these things. Verse 10, And the commandment, the word of God, which was ordained to life, that the word of God brings life, the word of God is life, that the law of God uh, speaks of the righteousness and the life of Christ, right? And the commandment, the word of God, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. Because when I look at the word of God, I see my sin. I see my condemnation. I see my inability. I see how I cannot merit righteousness. I cannot earn salvation. I can do nothing to uh, to earn favor of the living God. The word of God condemns me. The commandments, uh, the word, the word of God, the law of God condemns me to death. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. The pleasures of sin is death, but sin deceives me. It, 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 uh, it's, it's a delusion of the mind, where the, we see drunkenness, and we see adultery, we see immorality, and lying, and theft, and coveting, and blasphemy, and all the things that we see in the, in the Word of God. All things that, that uh, the Word of God says is unrighteousness, as it says in First John uh all unrighteousness is sin. I think it's First John that says that. All unrighteousness is sin. That all unrighteousness, because I had not the Spirit of God, I had not the Word of God to guide me in these things, that going by my own standard, I condemn myself by the deception of sin. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me. Therefore, I'm dead in my sins. Wherefore, the law is holy. The law is a good thing. Now, some people say, well, we don't have to follow the law. The law is a curse and the law is, the law is, uh, is bad and we don't have to follow the law. The law is only for, sin, for sinners. That there's, there's no goodness in the law. No, no, no. The law is holy because it came from God. And the law dictates what is righteous, what is holy. The law shows you that, uh, what, what is the character of God. The law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? No, God forbid, but sin, that it might appear sin, 
working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. So, so for example, from my perspective, when I look at lying, it's not that big of a deal, you know, white lies or whatever, you know, lies. You can lie for, for, by our perception, good reasons. You can lie to help people or whatever. That lying is not that big of an issue. But when I look at the word of God, it makes it exceedingly sinful. And I see how it doesn't matter what kind of lie. It doesn't matter what the purpose of lying is. I'm thinking that lying is of hell all liars shall be cast in the lake of fire so so we see by the standard of the law the the reality of what sin really is sin deceives me well lie's not that big of a deal you're not really hurting anybody and as long as you're not lying to deliberately hurt someone it's not that big of a deal but god says but god says it's exceedingly sinful so i really see what's actually going on the true reality of the sin nature is revealed by the commandments of god so we truly see the very person of god when we take a look at the law and we look at his commandments we see who he is because we are incapable of keeping the law you can't keep the law you can't the law is not meant to be kept in that sense it's it's a judge the law is a judge because we cannot keep it only god can keep it because god is holy god is sinless god is infinitely pure righteous holy altogether lovely beautiful he's infinite in all aspects of of perfection and purity god cannot sin in him is no sin he did no sin he knew no sin he's infinitely pure righteous and holy in him is, is no darkness no shadow of turning he cannot lie but we, to really understand the depth of our sin, to really understand how we are bound, how we are truly bound, we are married to sin. And that only by a death, only by death can we truly be free. And how we are truly bound, there is no hope. There is no way out. Once you're married, you're bound. You cannot be unmarried. You cannot be freed from this until there's a death. Verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. And now here we go. That uh, even the, the things that, that I want to do, I, I'm incapable of doing because of the sin. For that which I do, I allow not. And even in the very behaviors that we all sin, we all make mistakes. We all say, do, think things that we know we shouldn't and are wrong. We're all liars. We're all sinners. We're all corrupt. We all sin, but we have thought, word, or action. You can hardly go five minutes without sinning, but we have thought, word, and action. For we know that the... the, the and that the law is spiritual the law is of god but i am carnal sold under sin in, in incapable of doing the things i want to do and the things that i do those are the things i want to do for, for that which i do i allow not for what i would that do i not what i hate that do i 
I hate it when I keep falling in sin. I keep messing up. I keep making mistakes. But even in there, we see the beauty of the grace of God, of the faithfulness of God. Because I am unfaithful. We all are. We're all unfaithful. We all are incapable, unable. We all hurt the Lord. We deceive the Lord. We're apath apathetic of the Lord. We all betray the Lord. We all uh, disappoint the Lord. We all grieve the Lord constantly. We are unfaithful. He is not. We are the unfaithful spouse in sense of the picture. In the sense of the picture. But he, as we are bound to him, is faithful, even though we are not. See the picture there? And since we cannot be unbound from God, because God cannot die. There's a death of sin, a separation from sin. We are freed from sin. And then we are bound to Christ. Christ cannot die. Therefore, we cannot be unbound. Therefore, we cannot lose our salvation. I just thought I'd throw that in there. We cannot lose our salvation. Because we're under covenant, not contract. For that which I do, I allow not. For that, for what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. The law, therefore, is good. Because in this now, as a saint, I'm bound to Christ, and I'm saved in Christ, and I'm kept in Christ. The law then is not a curse to me anymore. The law is not a curse to me. It's no longer the authority that, that, by, that is bound over me, but rather the law becomes something else. The, since the law is of God, and I'm freed from the condemnation of the law, the law no longer condemns me. The law now helps me. It's that I'm not bound to law, I'm bound to Christ. The law becomes something else then. The law then becomes something of, of a demonstration of the character of God, that the more I want to understand Christ, I look at the commandments of God, which is the word of God. That the commandments of Christ, the law of God, helps me to understand then when I have messed up so that I can keep myself that much closer to Christ. So if I don't understand something, for a mo uh, uh, for example, I just take a look at what does the Word of God have to say about it. Oh, the Word of God says that such and such a thing is wrong. Okay. It becomes a help instead of a curse. If then I do that which I would not, I consent, I consent unto the law. I consent unto the Word of God, for it is good. It helps me. It no longer condemns me. Verse 17. Now then it is no more I that do it. Now here's the point. Are you listening? Are you listening? Look at verse 17. It's not me. <laughs> it's not my fault. More or less, kind of, sort of. Verse 17. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. 
but the flesh is corrupted by sin but i'm saved but there's the two natures the two people inside of me but who am i i'm the saved one the soul is saved the flesh is not the soul is saved the flesh is not for i know that in me that is in my flesh dwelt no good thing for to will is present with me the the will the desire of doing good is with me but how to perform that which is good i find not because my flesh wars with my spirit and i cannot do the things i would for the good that i would i do not but the evil which i would not that i do now if i do that i would not it is no more i that do it but sin that dwelleth in me it is no more i that do it but sin that dwelleth in me the 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 sin that is left over in the flesh or the flesh is condemned to die the flesh is not of righteousness the flesh is of sin the flesh is going to die the flesh opposes the spirit the flesh hates the bible hates righteousness hates church hates praying it hates the faith it's the sin of the flesh it is not i it's not me it's not me it is not i that do it. it's not me i'm not doing it the sin of the flesh is doing it because the me is the saved soul inside that hates the sin hates the flesh hates that this is happening but what i hate that i do that what i wind up doing is not what i want to do because i want to do this but i can't because my flesh won't let me it's not my fault it's the sin of the flesh it's the sin of the flesh because the conviction of righteousness is within me. I consent unto the law that it is good. And I know that this, that this what the flesh is doing is wrong. And I oppose it. I hate it. I don't want it. It's not my fault. It's the sin that's in the flesh that's doing it. Because if I could, I wouldn't do that. You get it? It's no more I that do it. But sin that dwelleth in me. Because if you had the ability, if you if you had the power, the strength, to, you wouldn't be doing it. You wouldn't be consenting to sin. You wouldn't be consenting to unrighteousness. But the flesh, which is exceedingly sinful, exceedingly strong and powerful, but because of sin, overwhelms me. And it wears me down, it wears me down, it wears me down, it wears me down. Like that slow drip of the faucet, slowly driving you mad. Wears me down and it catches me off guard, especially when I'm tired, I'm depressed, I'm hungry, my sugar's low, or whatever else. It's been a long day and you wind up doing something you ought not. You're caught off guard with a surprise, with a jump scare of sin, and it just you're caught up in it and you didn't want to. Now you're all upset. And why did I do that? It's not your fault. It's the sin of the flesh. Because the real you, the real you is the saved soul. The real you is the saved soul, not the sinful flesh. You are your soul. You are the, the, the saved one. You are the righteous servant of God. You, you are that which is saved within you. The spirit of God dwells within you sealing holding on with the hand of god that no man can pluck you out of and he's holding on to your saved spirit your saved soul and you're but you're stuck it's like you're stuck in a in a suit 
You're stuck in this suit. You're stuck in this prison of sin, of fleshly sin. And you can't be freed until that flesh dies. And it's a waiting game. It's a waiting game. It's a waiting game. And you're stuck inside and you got to watch and experience and go along what the flesh wants to do. It's not that you want to do it. It's not that you desire it. You hate it. You oppose it. You pray against it. You fast and pray against it. You cry about it. You get angry about it. And you, and you scream about it. You're so mad. Why do I keep doing that? not I that's doing it it's not you it's your flesh it's the sin of the flesh it's the sin of the flesh the sin that dwelleth in me for verse 21 for I find then a law that when I would do good evil is present with me that uh, I want to do good I want to go and read my Bible Evil is right there. That for some reason, the moment you sit down with your Bible, your fleshly mind just starts going berserk. All kinds of thoughts and distractions and hindrances and sin and daydreams and all kinds of other stuff. The moment you sit in front of the television, you're perfectly fine. If you're, you're, you're out doing your own thing, it's fine. But the moment you want to go to church, everything goes nuts. The moment you want to fast and pray, everything goes bad. The moment you want to witness, all fear and temptation and trouble and everything else comes in. Every time I would do good, evil is present with me. But the evil is not me. That's not me. The me is the me that wants to do the good. The real me hates that sin. The, I, I, I want to be free from that sin. Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. There's the inward man and the outward man. The two natures. The inward man. I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law. There's the law of God that is in me that I desire and I love and I long for and I serve and I pray for and I, I, de I desire to follow in all righteousness and all things. I want to so bad. Let's see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. There's the law of sin. The law of sin versus the law of God. And both of these are inside, are here battling with each other every turn everything every thought every word every action every step every sight every sense every daydream every everything everything these two battle it out every single breath with every tick of the clock there's a law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And it keeps capturing me. It captures my attention. It captures my eyes. It captures my words. It captures my thoughts. It captures my hands. It captures my steps. It captures the, the very intents of the heart. It captures the tongue. It brings me into sin captures me and drags me into it is what the picture is verse 24 this is the apostle paul speaking apostle paul uh, that the the holy servant of god apostle paul the great miracle worker apostle paul the founder of churches apostle paul 
this guy who worked miracles and signs and wonders and preached the gospel he gave his life multiple times for the gospel that the mightiest servant of god apostle paul screams out verse 24 oh wretched man that i am who shall deliver me from the body of this death you know There have been times where, uh, where I mess up and I do wrong. And I have moments where I wonder, you know, how, why, just, just, just why? Why does this guy that I keep doing this? Like, why? What is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? And I, it's either the point where I remember I, I even would doubt my own salvation. Like, like why, 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 do, why does this keep happening? But then the Lord keeps bringing up, you know, Romans chapter 7 has been a salvation of mind for me. Because every time the Lord reminds me of this chapter right here, Romans 7, of a couple things that the Lord brings up every time, every time. Number one, it's your flesh, not your soul. Number two, if the Apostle Paul struggled with sin constantly and he was still seen as righteous and the Lord still used him, that gives me hope. The Apostle Paul would scream, oh, wretched men that I am. And the things I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched men that I am. If Apostle Paul says this, that gives me a lot of hope. The Apostle Paul says, I know that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. If Apostle Paul can say that, it gives me a lot of hope. Helps me to understand the reality here. And number three. Number three. Last verse, verse 25. The one that really clarifies this whole thing here. Verse 25. Do you have your Bibles handy? You'll want to see this. You'll really want to see this. Verse 25. Followed by verse 24. A wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord why so then with the mind that is that is referring to that is of that which is of spirit that which is of spirit so with the mind i myself serve the law of god that in the inward man the in, that which is inside me i know what is right and wrong and i desire that which is of uh, which is of god i know this so with the mind i serve the law of god but with the flesh, the law of sin. And what what did what what did what did Romans seven one say? Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. The law of sin, which is a flesh, has a dominion over the flesh. For as long as you live so what does that mean i'm going to be constantly messing up 
until the day I die. <laughs> Everyone say, well, how is that? How's that funny? How's that supposed to help? It's not my fault. It, I, I don't want to say it's not, it's not that it's not my fault. I can't help it. But you can't help it. You're going to mess up. You're going to mess up again and again and again and again and again. Now, what's the point? The grace of God. That shows the grace of God. That shows the mercy, the grace, and the faithfulness of God. Now, in this, there's one last point. There's one last point. See, people say, well, well, then how come the Lord just doesn't just save us and just to save us from sin completely and make us sinless? Well, Romans 5, Romans 5, verse 3. About what we rejoice in. We rejoice in God. We rejoice in God who is our hope and glory. And verse 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. We glory in tribulations also. So what are you saying? We, we glory in our sin? No, no, no. <clears throat> but sin is a tribulation. Sin is a tribulation. And tribulation work of patience and patience experience and experience hope. Because in this, we help one another and we help show, reveal to others, the weaker brethren or to sinners, how the power of God can help you over this. How there can be a salvation from the sin and how to oppose and fight and achieve victory over sins and over issues and addictions and troubles and depressions and trials and the things of this world. Because all creation groans because of sin. All creation groans because of sin. So with this as well, as we are, as we are bound in the, the law of sin of flesh, and we're saved in the law of God of spirit, while we're in the flesh, we know that in the flesh will no good thing, but we learn how to subdue the flesh, how to crucify the flesh, how to achieve victory over the flesh in, in its addictions and its troubles and its hold. We learn how to weaken the flesh by prayer and fasting and serving the Lord. And we help one another. To show the power of God over sin. The power of the cross over sin. The power of God's faithfulness over sin. Because how, how could you learn, how could you learn about God's faithfulness if you had nothing with which to experience it? If, if we were just saved and became perfectly sinless, flawless, and we never sin again, how would you ever really learn the depth of God's faithfulness? So in this, through this, let's go to chapter 8, verse 1. Because of this, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Because now that we're walking in the Spirit and newness of life of salvation, we're in the Spirit, we're saved in the Spirit by grace of the Spirit of God, of the Spirit of Christ, by the blood of Christ, there is now therefore no condemnation. We cannot be condemned. We cannot lose our salvation. 
It's the faithfulness of God. Not our, not our striving to achieve faithfulness of God. We are unfaithful. We are the unfaithful spouse. We are the unfaithful one in the relationship. We keep cheating on God. But he keeps forgiving us. And he will never divorce us. He will never let us go. I will never let thee go. I will never cast thee away. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. My spirit is within you, and I will never let you go. You're held in my hand, and no man can pluck you out. That means you can't pluck yourself out either. You cannot be separated from God. You cannot lose your salvation. He will never, ever, ever let you go. He will never divorce you. He will never let you go. He will never disown you. You're held by God for eternity. We are unfaithful. He is not. He is always faithful. 1 John 1, 9. So that when we do sin, and when we're walking in the Lord, we're walking in the things of God, or walking in the Spirit of God, and we do sin, we do mess up, we do give in to the desires of the flesh. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. He is faithful. He is just, even when we are not. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins every time. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All of it. Every single time. Sin, as it is a curse, Helps us also to see, though, the extremity of God's faithfulness. Because it makes me cry out every time, praised be the Lord. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And that's what helps me to understand grace. That's what helps me to see the depth of of the salvation of Christ because huh, I can't save me myself. I can't help Christ save me. There's absolutely no way in God's green earth I could ever help him save me. I have no righteousness. This helps me to see the depth of that, how I have no righteousness of my own. That because I, my flesh is still in sin and my flesh is condemned to die, that throughout my life, the further I go and walking in salvation, walking in Christ, the further, the older I, that I become, the further I go, the more I see how true it is. It's nothing of me. It's all of him. So from this point forward, so from this point forward, every time you sin, instead of wallowing, turn it into a praise of his grace and mercy. Tribulation worketh experience and experience hope. Got the hope in Christ. We see his faithfulness his mercy of his grace of his salvation he married himself to us he saved us he wanted us he desired us when we were married to sin we we're married to hell 
and the blood of Jesus Christ uh, that delivered us from this and that condemnation died and we're freed from that and we, we're standing there that the the ex-spouse of hell and he says I want you and he marries us he saves us. He cleanses us. He brings us into his family. He, ge he gives us a new name. He writes our name in his book. He cleanses us, saves us, delivers us, redeems us, purifies us, makes us a priest of his temple, makes uh, adopts us as his dear children, gives us a whole family, new name, new kingdom, new life, and everything undeserved, unwarranted, not a reward because he so loved us. You see the depth of this picture. That's what Romans 7 is all about. That's what Romans 7 is all about. For us to understand the depth of the love of God. The depth of the mercy and the grace of God. Of the long-suffering of God. Of the patience of God. Of the grace of God. That it's not me. It's flesh. It's the flesh. It's not me that's doing it. It's the flesh that's doing it. Because the true me inside screams every time I make a mistake. And that's the conviction of the Spirit of God. A proof of your salvation. The very fact, the very fact that the inward man cries out against sin, you get upset when you sin, that's a proof of your salvation. Because if you had not the Spirit of God within you, you wouldn't care. Romans 7. So there you go, folks. That's Romans chapter 7. If you have any comments, questions, issues, insights, anything at all, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. It, it's, it's amazing. It truly is absolutely amazing. When you go through these, these books like this, you go through these chapters, these passages, these doctrines, it's just... You're kind of left speechless. You're kind of left speechless. And we see... In First uh, John chapter two, you never turn to it. First John chapter two, verse one: My little children, my little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. Just like Jesus said, go and sin no more. Fight sin, oppose sin, resist the devil, crucify the flesh, uh, crucify the flesh with the affections and lust thereof. Uh, strive for the mastery of Christ uh, uh, in all things. Sin not, my little children. These things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. It, it's it boggles my mind. That you cannot exhaust the patience of God. It just, it confounds me. It just, see, seeing the depth of this, you cannot bring God to a point where he would desire to cast you away. This is just as the Bible says, God is not like man. As the Bible says, God is not like man. We would lose patience we when we are betrayed too many times we're betrayed we cut off we want nothing to do with individuals we will cut off and cease to be faithful to individuals god will never do that he is faithful 
and just to forgive us every time. So Jacqueline has a question. Do you think that people who try to maintain their salvation, as in keeping the law, they might not be saved if they are not trusting Jesus to keep them? That's right. That's right. Because they're they're trusting in what's called a works-based salvation. Where it's a different gospel. It's a false gospel. As Galatians 1, 8 to 9 talks about other gospels which are accursed of God, which are not another, not another gospel. There aren't other gospels, but it's a false doctrine, false teaching. It's a false belief of a false Christ, of a Christ that's not God and is limited and in, uh, incapable, unable to save you. You have to help him save you. And the Bible says you have no righteousness, but they're saying you do have righteousness. So you have to combine your righteousness with the righteousness of Christ to earn your salvation. Salvation is a reward. Therefore, it's not by grace, as the Bible says. Everything about law-keeping salvation, works-based salvation, contradicts the Word of God. It changes the very definition and meaning of grace, faith, the cross, the blood, the atonement. It's a different Jesus. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. A law-keeping salvation, a works-based salvation, it, it is a false gospel that will lead you to hell. People that are trusting in themselves to save themselves are not saved at all. And they are the ones that will be crying, Lord, Lord. But many in that day will cry, Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works in the name? Have we not prophesied in the name? Have we not cast out devils in the name? He'll say, but I don't know you. Notice that they're trusting. Have I not done? Have I not done? Have I not done? Works, works, uh, works, law-keeping. Nowhere do they say, have we not believed in thy name? Because we're saved by grace through faith, not of works. As, as uh, Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, 5, not by righteous works. Galatians 2, 16, not by the deeds of the law. So it's not by works, not by righteous works, not by works of the law. But they're saying, yes, yes, it is. But the Bible says, no, it's not. It's by grace, the unmerited favor of God. So they are deliberately going against the word of God, preaching a false Christ and false gospel, which cannot save. Um, and Jen says, asking for prayers, please. I'm finally getting baptized this Sunday. Hey, praise the Lord. I go through a lot of spiritual warfare. Yeah. Yeah, because the, it's it's a big step. It, it's very it's a very important thing. It, it it shows it shows a true faithfulness to Christ and obedience and act of obedience. And yes, the enemy will oppose you and everything that that is an act of obedience unto Christ, especially things like this, which is a public declaration of your faith in Christ. Um, so yeah, so just just stay the course, keep pressing on, keep in determination. Let nothing dissuade you. And keep keep on, keep pressing on the great, great blessings from the Lord in this. So yes, we'll be praying for you, absolutely. But fear not, worry not, stress not, fret not, be anxious for nothing. Cast your cares upon him for he careth for you. And uh, the blessings on you and praise the Lord uh, for you. So yeah, so there you go, folks. Anything else? Any other comments, questions, issues, insights? Please go ahead and ask away. Um, Jacqueline, um, as well, uh, it, I would recommend... Uh, check out uh, our playlists here on our YouTube channel. There's the playlist, Once Saved, Always Saved. 
Um, I have a whole bunch of videos in there that really will walk you through and explain in detail and multiple angles the whole once saved, always saved argument, proving it from the Word of God. Please make sure you check that out if you want more information on that. Uh, I've got pretty, I pretty much cover every argument of every angle on the whole thing, showing you what the Word of God says on it. And so it'll really help uh, reinforce in your mind the truth of eternal security and once saved, always saved. Uh, just as the Bible teaches. So uh, any other comments, questions, issues, insights regarding uh, this topic today? Anything else at all? Um, and thank you so much, folks, for your prayers and support. This past uh, week uh, has been quite uh, a trial. <laughs> um We've had a lot of good good moments and a lot of bad moments this past week. It's been really hard, really difficult. So I really appreciate your prayers for me and my me and my wife as we're dealing with some stuff going on. Uh, so please be praying for us. Um, I almost didn't broadcast this morning because I'm just I'm so tired. I haven't been sleeping well. Uh, my flesh has been warring with me. That's for sure. I haven't been sleeping well, so I'm really tired. But I just gave it to the Lord anyways, and this went for it. So there we are. So please be praying. Um, so yeah, I think that pretty much wraps it up. <laughs> yeah, hello, Evan. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to check the, the uh, replay. Uh, yeah, no worries. We could always do the replay. Um, yeah, so uh, please make sure you rewatch this video. If you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. And make sure you subscribe and hit notification bell icons. And we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We get tons and tons of content as well as checking out our website, ChristianCoffeeTime.ca. We got tons of links there to our other platforms and other goodies and whatnot over there as well. And yeah, so there you go. Uh, so with that... Um, uh, Jacqueline says, do you know anything about Israel of God? Uh, just the Israel that the Bible talks about in Israel, where there is Jerusalem and all that, that the, the Jews there, that's still the promise of God, the promise of Abraham still applies there. Um, but do they need to be born again, saved just like everyone else? Um, that the promises of protection, blessing there. That's why as the Bible teaches, they'll be all, be lasting all the way up into to the end there. Um, yeah, if you want to know more about that, please watch our Bible study series on the book of Revelation. You'll see more on that as well. So I'm just not sure exactly what you mean by your question. If you want to rephrase it. Um, so yeah, uh, so we got tons of links to our other, uh, uh, the, uh, of other Bible studies, uh, discussions, debates, different topics that, that we've brought up. Please check out our other playlists and videos. We've got tons of content, tons of goodies. Please make sure you check those out, share those around, as well as I just want to make a quick mention again, Christian Coffee Time material, Christian Coffee Time material, whether it be the videos, uh, uh, the videos that we do, or the messages that we write, like over on Reddit, for example, uh, Christian Coffee Time material is all is not monetized. We don't monetize 
anything. We don't monetize anything. We run completely on uh, on prayer and faith and the faithfulness of saints to help out in that way. We don't ask for anything. We don't monetize anything. I'm not going to be a prosperity preacher and say, you got to sow a seed of money. That's a bunch of garbage. But if you want to help, it's up, up to you. Uh, but we do have some people that do support us. I just want to thank our supporters from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, thank you so much for your help and your blessing, your encouragement in this, that the Lord will bless you mightily for, for your faithfulness in that. But yeah, the Christian Coffee Time material is not monetized. It's free for dispersal. So if you want to download our videos, go ahead. If you want to share our videos, go ahead. If you want to share our, our uh, messages, all our material, go right ahead. It's free, free for dispersal. It's just the word of God. Get it out there. As well as over on our website, we have free downloadable gospel tracks. So you, you download the PDF, print them out, um, and fold them up, cut them out yourself, share them around. You keep PDF, go for it. Um, so yeah, I just want to mention that. Um, so yeah, um, so Jacqueline clarifies here about the religion Israel of God. Um, is that's a BHI, isn't it? Hebrew roots thing. Is that isn't that the Hebrew roots, the Black Hebrew Israelites people? If I'm if I'm wrong on that, correct me. I think that might be the Hebrew roots, Black Hebrew Israelites people. Uh, yeah, they're they're a crazy psychopathological cult. Um, they're uh, yeah, the Black Hebrew Israelites, the Hebrew roots are absolute just pathological liar, vulgar, wicked, demonic cult. Stay away from them. Um, yeah, it's a, just stay away from those people. Just stick with the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? Right here. Uh, that God doesn't care about skin color. He doesn't care about what language you speak or what, what uh, your location is in the world. He doesn't care. Uh, uh, the Christ atoned for the sins of the whole world. And God so loves the world. And God has made uh, uh, all people of the world of one blood. So there you go. Uh, yeah, that's because they're a lying, they're a lying satanic cult. Uh, they're nothing but confusion, lies, and, dis and deception. Stay away from them. Just ignore them. Block them ignore them have nothing to do with it don't even talk to them um just give them just share the gospel jesus christ is god and he says by grace through faith through belief alone and point them to the gospel of john show them the word of god and if they won't listen just leave cut them off leave just as uh, jesus says in matthew 10 shake up the dust of your feet at them as a sign and leave them mark and avoid all those who will not uh will not listen to the sound doctrine mark and avoid so there you go all right so there we go we'll wrap that up there uh, thank you so much for joining in. God bless you, folks. This has been a great study. And please rewatch this. Share this around. Give this video a like. Share it around. Rewatch it. And uh, yeah, so God bless you. Thank you so much for joining in. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again, folks. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.